Hello, everybody. We are back. This is Barbacoa Big Red Basketball. I'm John Lugo, joined by Will Darnell. Will, I hate to tell you, but you did not get the designated veteran extension from the Thunder. It's really, really upsetting. I was counting on that. <laughs> it's going to buy a new toothbrush, <laughs> among other things. The $205 million toothbrush before, before state taxes. <laughs> before state taxes. Yeah, it's tough. Okay, well, let's get into it. Russell Westbrook signing the designated veteran extension for five years, $205 million to stay in Oklahoma City. If you include next year's contract, he is at a total of six years, $233 million. Holy shit, that's a lot of money. Some quick math here. Over the course of the six years, that's like $37 million per season. Yeah, I think it, it starts at... Wait, 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 Yeah, yeah, something like that, yeah. He'll make 28 next year and then an average of 41 for the remaining five years. Yeah. Which is a fuckload of money. <laughs> <laughs> There's no other way to think about it. It's, it's like more than Alex Rodriguez made with his infamous contract with the Texas Rangers. It's like an ungodly sum. <laughs> You could buy so much Mountain Dew Kickstart with $205 million. Um, a word about Mountain Dew Kickstart. When Russell Westbrook started to get serious heat for MVP, I stopped drinking that garbage because I'm a real Rockets fan. Bro, you don't have to get that salty about it, bro. All right, so in our notes, Johnny wrote, holy Santa Claus shit next to the contract number, and I think that's a pretty fair summation. Um, so... Do we want to start with the more serious aspect of this, or do we want to get straight to the pettiness? Let's do it. Let's go petty. Okay, so as uh, you may know, some of you may know from reading basketball Twitter, Russell Westbrook had this contract on the table all summer long, and he waited until Kevin Durant's birthday to sign it. What an asshole. (laughs) This is fucking hilarious. I love it so much. I don't understand... I feel like at this point, they really need to, like, come out and say, like, where they stand with each other, because we've just been going back and forth about, do they have a beef, do they not have a beef? They were making, like, subtle jabs at each other, and then I remember that one hilarious moment at the All-Star game where Westbrook threw an alley-oop to Durant, and everyone was cheering, saying that they were friends again and stuff, (laughs) like, everyone on the bench was celebrating at the timeout. And then he pulls shit like this, waiting all summer long to sign his deal to stay in Oklahoma City on Kevin Durant's birthday. One, is hilarious to wait until then, and two, is pretty brilliant, because this whole, this will re-spark the whole loyalty to your team thing. Also, it's been exactly one week since everyone found out about Kevin Durant's fake Twitter accounts. <laughs> so you could say, oh man, he'll just shrug this off. No, I, I don't think that he will. He has a bunch of fake Twitter accounts. He's probably <laughs> created about 50 more last night to talk shit about Russell Westbrook. The new thing on Twitter is that if someone defends Kevin Durant, that you assume that they are <laughs> Kevin Durant. Because they're probably Kevin Durant. Even if, it's, even if it's a verified account of someone that you know in person, they're probably actually Kevin Durant. Bought account. <laughs> absolutely. And another way that you can tell that they're probably fake accounts is because you never see anybody on Twitter stand for Kevin Durant. There are people who go to outrageous lengths to defend LeBron, to defend Russell Westbrook. We saw this begin with Kobe. Kevin Durant might be the best player in the world, and there's no like devout fan group to him. He's like the Barry Bonds of basketball without the steroid stuff, even when none of that stuff was proven, people just didn't really, like, they didn't really get up for Barry Bonds. Everyone was like, oh, he's the greatest, but, like, fuck him, he's terrible and salty. Kevin Durant seems to be having that kind of impression in the league at this point. He's been in the league nine years now. It's so strange how he's he's definitely going to go down as one of the best players in history, but, like, at this moment he is seen as just a guy. He's He's like Drake. (laughs) <laughs> He's exactly Drake. <laughs> um, so okay, back to I'm going to tell you why I don't think that it matters that he did this on Kevin Durant's birthday. Okay. Okay. Can I can I can I make that shot in the dark here? Sure. Kevin Durant's fake Twitter accounts aside, his Drake 
and his feelings, listening to Marvin Marvin's room, all that <laughs> shtick aside. Uh, Kevin Durant just won the NBA championship and finals MVP. Does Russell Westbrook got either of those two things? He does not, but who seems to be less fulfilled still? Hold on, I'm not done. I'm not done. <laughs> okay, so Kevin Durant, let's keep a tally, won the championship, won finals MVP, had a signature moment in the finals. Um, I don't really remember. It was game five. He made a, a three down the stretch is what the signature moment. It's not, it's not the greatest signature moment ever. It's, like, it's a pretty banal signature moment, but it is a signature moment. He made a shot. <laughs> Russell Westbrook's current signature moment is against uh, Golden State in game six of the Western Conference Finals two years ago when he literally fell down down the stretch. <laughs> um, another reason is Kevin Durant willingly took less money to stay on a team that's probably going to win the championship again this season. So... And he doesn't live in Oklahoma City anymore. He got to go to TechCrunch. Uh, TechCrunch is actually the name of the most popular cereal in Oklahoma City. That's <laughs> the closest they have to technology there. <laughs> um, what about the Triple Doubles, though? What about The Triple Doubles don't match. <laughs> Please don't start about the Triple Doubles. <laughs> I'm going to kill myself five minutes into the podcast. I just don't understand how Westbrook... I mean, I can't blame him. He's a millionaire. He's set for life. His family is set for life. And, you know, he's happy. Why does Kevin Durant need to do the things that he does? Why does he need fake accounts? Why does he, why does he seem like such a fuckboy all the time? <laughs> wow. That's really harsh. Um, he doesn't have a wife. He doesn't have outside interests. It doesn't seem like. Um, Russell Westbrook is obviously really into the fashion stuff. And... In some people's opinions, he's good at it. I don't know if that's true or not. But no he's idea. really into that, and I think Kevin Durant's only hobby is basketball. And so, an extension of that, like, everyone who has one serious hobby is looking at message boards and reading Twitter and reading Reddit. He just happens to be the most famous person doing those things. And shitting yeah. all over people. And he's not careful because he was probably... Probably had a little bit too much Grey Goose and forgot to switch his account. <laughs> Okay. Do people still drink Grey Goose? <laughs> I really hope not. <laughs> I hope not, too. Okay, so back to Westbrook, back to what this deal means for the Thunder. What does Do you think that this makes Paul George and Carmelo Anthony lean towards staying any closer at all? I don't think that this has anything to do with that. I think that everything regarding whether or not those two stay depends on how the season goes. The fact that Russell Westbrook's going to be there for six years could prove to be a bad thing if they hate playing with Russell Westbrook. So this could be detrimental to their long-term thing. Paul George might have thought, oh, maybe maybe Westbrook will leave. Maybe I, this is my new team. Maybe he really loves Oklahoma City. I don't know. But I don't think that this has a direct impact. It's obviously another thing that they can consider. Now they know that Westbrook's going to be there. Yeah. So if they hate him, they know that they're not going to want to stay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, at this point... Russell Westbrook re-signing really makes me think about how much... I know it sounds dumb, and this is something that everybody should think about when making major life choices, but it really makes me think about just how how happy players think that they'll be in a certain team or city. Because, like, Russell Westbrook on the Thunder, it's very possible... I mean, he signs this extension knowing that Carmelo and Paul George can be gone next year. Yeah. And he still signed it. That tells me that he really, really likes Oklahoma City. He really, really likes the team. And I'm thinking that maybe we just aren't taking that much into account, and maybe that could be something to take into account with Paul George and Carmelo Anthony. Like, even if, say, they get knocked out in the second round and it wasn't that much of a challenge. Like, did they enjoy playing on that team? Did they enjoy playing for Oklahoma City? Can they run it back and think maybe if we just make a few tweaks here and there, should they resign? Um, I think that there are a lot of non-basketball things to consider. I think that a lot of this deal has to be about the money. This is the most money he could get from anywhere. It's like 50 or 60 million more than he could get from any other team, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, that, like, $233 million, discounting all the other money Russell Westbrook's already made in his career from endorsements, from his contracts, from all the stuff, that's a quarter of a billion dollars. This is like fashion, empire, lasting legacy for your entire life money. Yep. And to leave 25% of that on the table is like a wild, a wildly irresponsible decision if you're thinking long-term like that, if you view your life as something much more than being about basketball. And Westbrook's already put eight hard years on his body. He's already had a lot of injuries. 
I think that this more than anything is a cashing out kind of a contract. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he'd be dumb not to take that. That's he could. He, now he's known as the player with the biggest contract in NBA history, and I don't know for a couple weeks probably. I, I was about, I was about to say I don't know how the salary cap will project for next year. I don't know if it's going to hit another spike, but this is this is still pretty nuts. Well, this is more than Curry got, and this is more than Harden got. Yeah, this is and yeah. Durant took less. So I mean, the only guy who could probably get more than this is what I mean. I, Kawhi doesn't have the number of years of service, right? He doesn't have the same number of years of service. I don't think so. No. So. For a while, Westbrook is going to own the richest contract in NBA history. There's nobody else who can sign this big of a contract who hasn't already made their deal. Harden was the other guy, or Curry, who could make this deal, and they took deals for less. Can you... I just pulled this up. I thought this was a pretty interesting photo I saw on Twitter from ESPN. Russell Westbrook now has the biggest contract in NBA history. They listed the top five. Can you name the, the other four? Um, <laughs> no, <laughs> I can guess. Isn't Joe Johnson on it? No, no. Oh, that was a that was his career. Yeah, that was a career earnings thing. Yeah, okay. no. The the biggest current contract. Biggest current contract in the NBA. James Harden is number two. He's number four. Number four. Curry. Curry's number two. Who's three and five? Um, it's gonna be someone dumb because we raised this question. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> who doesn't deserve the money? Tim Hardaway Jr. <laughs> just kidding, just kidding. Tim Hardaway Jr.'s contract is not that bad. <laughs> yeah, just think of people who have recently signed max contracts. Um, DeMar DeRozan? No. No. Um, John Wall? He's number five. John Wall's number five. Number three. Number three. Oh, my God. I can't think of guys who've signed giant contracts. Um, can you give me a conference? West. Is this team good or bad? Average, I guess. Average? <laughs> Average to good, I guess. Oh, Mark Conley? Mike Conley. Mark Conley. <laughs> <laughs> no. it's, it's Blake Griffin. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> when did he sign such a giant deal? He was a free agent this summer, too. Oh, God. That's bad. <laughs> yeah, five years, $171 million. That's, I wouldn't do that. <laughs> <laughs> that's, really, that's really bad. <laughs> that's... Um, Oh my god, okay, so, um, let's see. So do you think this changes any of the on-court dynamics of the team? Like, does anyone care that Russell... Russell Westbrook already made the most of the three of them anyway. Yeah, I think, if anything, it's up to Russell Westbrook, because... His situation is is no longer up in the air. He's staying. true. Does he want the best team around him? To do that, that would require him to not be such a control freak, not to take up 45% of all possessions anymore. He basically needs to spend this year trying to make Carmelo and Paul George happy. So I think in that sense, if Russell Westbrook knows what's best for OKC's future as a team, then I think it should. Is he capable of playing any other way than he's played this last this previous season? <sighs> I think so. I know he played that way with Durant and Ibaka and before them Harden and Jeff Green, but those are all guys that he was like NBA-wise raised with. Durant was his teammate since he was 19 years old. They were like they were like brothers. <laughs> like the tried NBA like bullshit stories about how guys are close, but by all like all recorded history, they were very close friends. Paul George and Carmelo Anthony are dudes that he knows, obviously, from Team USA and other stuff. Yeah. But it's not like there's going to be that same, we came up together in the league bond. Is he really willing to defer to those guys? I, I mean, yeah. I mean, I mean, that's the question. Like, he knows that he doesn't have that same foundation, that deeply rooted foundation with those two guys. So he really needs to spend this year trying to emphasize that and push that as much as he could, just to make them happy. I really hope that for OKC's sake that they realize what an asset it is that Carmelo can just go get you a bucket. Because late in games, something that Paul George and Russell Westbrook actually struggle at is getting that bucket. Russell Westbrook fades down the stretch of playoff games because he's tired, A. Yeah. (laughs) And B, everything is tight at the end of a game. The lane is tight. There's nowhere for him to drive all wild. He's not a great shooter. Carmelo, they could dump it down to him at the elbow, and he can get you a point, right? Yeah. 
So I hope that they utilize that. I hope that Westbrook doesn't do his kamikaze thing and just throw games away. Yeah, and I guess one last thing I'd like to say about this extension is that, I mean, small markets are at a disadvantage, obviously, to bigger markets, but I think this shows that as long as your management is competent enough and can draft well, there is a way to thrive in the league. Yeah, I mean, Sam Presti has been getting shit on pretty much exclusively since the James Harden trade. And he just ended, like, the best summer probably ever yeah. for an executive. Yeah, yeah. he's absolutely... He's remembering Harden being traded. He's remembering Kevin Durant leaving. And he's trying to atone for that by going all in now. And the most important thing he gave away was Victor Oladipo. And he got back Carmelo and Paul George. It's, it's, like, it's insane. It's absolutely wild. So, they traded... So, for Oladipo, Sabonis, Cantor, McDermott, and a pick, they got Paul George and Carmelo <laughs> Anthony. That's wild. <laughs> That's so yeah. crazy. Um, the Rockets actually gave away more stuff just for Chris Paul than the Thunder did for both of those guys combined. More players that you would actually want to play on your team. Yeah. <laughs> Let's see. Was it Beverly? Beverly, Lou Williams, Lou Sam Williams. Decker, and Montrez Harrell. Those are all guys Decker. that can be on your team. Like, Doug McDermott is already on his third team. Ennis Cantor can't play in the playoffs. Yeah. Oladipo is on his third team. Sabonis didn't look like his dad. Sorry, pal. Nope. <laughs> Should have played something else. Yeah. Yeah. So, I'm really, really happy for OKC. I'm really glad that we don't have to spend the year thinking, is he leaving? Is he staying? I think that in that sense, they're just really happy to get this deal done. I think it says something that Russell Westbrook was so willing to commit to OKC. Even though it was the biggest contract that anybody could offer him in the league, I think it does say something that he stayed in OKC rather than testing out the market next summer. Yeah, I agree. And I think that we haven't said, is he worth it? Because obviously he's worth it. Yeah. That's not even a question. (laughs) Our friend Eric might think differently, though. (laughs) As we move on to listener questions, and he asks, in light of the Russell Westbrook extension, who really deserves max contracts? Um, Can I start? Yeah. Okay, so my first point of contention, and this is something that I bring up every time anyone uses this word in any kind of a situation. Deserve. The word deserves. Deserves makes it seem like there's a certain level of things that you're entitled to based on something. And entitlements, obviously, are things that we don't like. We don't like when people feel privileged or entitled or they feel like they have something coming to them. So who deserves MAC contracts? Um, I mean, that's. I think that the question is poorly worded. So I think what Eric meant is that who should get MAC contracts? When yeah. should they be given to players? Who earns MAC contracts? And I even, think it depends on the, ca- the salary cap in any given year, right? It's, it, and it's not only that, it's... It's really on a case-by-case basis. There's no, there's never going to be a way to set a criteria of who deserves or who should get a max contract because, like, obviously players like Steph Curry, LeBron James, James Harden, those guys obviously deserve max contracts. But then you look at Rudy Gobert for Utah. Rudy Gobert puts up, what, like 14 and 13 and, like, like three blocks or something like that. Maybe that may not look like a max contract to some people, but in Utah's case, what are they going to do? Let him go? And then what? Who's his replacement? Cody Zeller or something? Ekpe <laughs> like, Udo? Who can you replace the guy that you have with? Because It's about NBA, replacement value. Yeah, the NBA has free agency, but they also have really Byzantine rules about player distribution. So you can't just say, oh, I'm going to offer them all the... I'm going to offer the most amount of money so I can get the best player. That's not how it works. There's obviously a salary cap. So Otto, Otto Porter Jr., for example, yeah. for the Wizards, is worth a max contract because they have no one that they can replace what he does with. They yeah. can't get 75% of his value somewhere else. And Andrew Wiggins, a lot of people are saying, oh, well, I don't, has he earned a max contract? <laughs> well, <laughs> I mean, who the fuck wants to go play in negative 30-degree weather in Minnesota? Like, yeah, Jeff Teague, I guess. <laughs> but <laughs> but um, they can't replace him with someone of equivalent value. It's not like there's just an endless list of guys who can shoot three-pointers, who are 6'8", who can play defense. Otto Porter Jr. is getting a max contract because he has those things. And sometimes sometimes teams do go the other way and decide that it's not in their best interest to sign that player. Like this summer, 
the Pistons didn't want to give Contavious Caldwell Pope the max, so they just let him go. And yep. then he signed a one-year deal with the Lakers. And then kind of the same thing happened with Dwayne Wade, who we'll talk about early, who we'll talk about in a little bit. But he didn't get the the Heat, his original team, the one where his legacy lays. They didn't want to give him the contract that he wanted, so they let him go to Chicago. Yeah, and then there's. Every year, the salary cap is different, and the amount of space that people have is different. Two years ago, the, the cap shot up, so all these teams had space. So that's why you have guys like Ryan Anderson, who we beat. I'm sorry, Ryan Anderson. We're <laughs> going to talk shit about you again a little bit. So I'm sorry. <laughs> Ryan Anderson, Kent Bazemore, fucking Timothy Mozgov, all these guys who got money that summer. Now their contracts are like ridiculous, unmovable garbage. Yeah. Kent Bazemore made $19 million last season. Yes. Now, this training camp, one of the things from training camp from Hawks, very, very depressing training camp, is Kent Bazemore saying that he played the entire season at, like, 75% health. <laughs> okay, Kent. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, this salary cap, too, this whole salary the the decision to not smooth out the cap has really fucked everything up. We are not going to get, I mean, the question of what, who deserves a max contract is not going to be solved ever, but... It doesn't make things any better whenever the cap increases by, like, 20%. Yeah. So there's a ton of things to weigh. Does it help your team? Can you replace that guy? Yeah. And do you have a realistic chance of attaining your goal as a franchise? Like, the Rockets' goal should be to get to the Western Conference Finals. Right now, as long as the Warriors are where they're at, the goal cannot be to win a championship. That's an unreasonable goal. And if Daryl Morey goes into each offseason trying to win the championship, you're just going (laughs) to... You're going to fuck your team up long term. So, does the max contract fit in with your goal? If yes, sign it. If no, don't. You know? It's very simple. Yeah. (laughs) So, there goes that. Uh, Our friend Sean Gorman asks, with with, again, the Russell Westbrook extension, signing on Kevin Durant's birthday, what's the most savage move a player has made in a league full of pettiness? Um, So... I have two that I want to throw out immediately into the ring. Um, Derek Fisher fucking Matt Barnes' ex-wife. <laughs> is, is that petty or is that just being a horrible person? It's both. <laughs> it can be both. And D'Angelo Russell snitching on Nick Young oh for cheating God. on the East oh, I forgot about that. That was so bad. Those are, two, those are the two best ones that I can personally think of. That was what so, so bad. Oh, my God. For those of you who don't know, Nick Young... Is is was is engaged to Iggy Azalea, the failed, terrible, no, not anymore. culturally appropriating Australian white rapper. <laughs> and at the time, he was engaged to her. And D'Angelo Russell, who was a rookie on the Lakers at the time, essentially snitched him out for cheating on her yeah. in a publicized video. <laughs> yeah, and which is one of the many reasons why the Lakers were done with his shit. <laughs> yeah, not only done with his shit. I mean, he ruined an engagement. I mean, well, Nick Young ruined the engagement. Yeah, whether or not they deserve, whether or not they should have been engaged to each other, that's a whole other story. And also, I feel like that was the point of the Lakers season where everything really went down the shitter. Yeah. So, but um, in a league full of pettiness, the only thing that stood out to me, I mean, I know that it was so recent, but I can't think of anything that tops it. Was whenever. The Cavs had their championship parade, and LeBron wore the Ultimate Warrior shirt during the whole parade. <laughs> I mean, that's pretty petty, but that's like just like it's like a T-shirt. But it's, I mean, it's just so funny to me. And Derek Fisher had sex with Matt Barnes' ex-wife <laughs> while he was the coach of the Knicks. And also, what about the Halloween party then, where they had the graves with all the Warriors players' names on it? That's pretty funny. Um, recently, Kyrie Irving making fun of LeBron. At, mm-hmm. was it, whose wedding was it? Andre Iguodala's wedding? Clay uh, Thompson's wedding? Someone, someone on the Warriors, I think, because he was next to Curry. I, yeah. That's all I remember. It was the same day as Trevor Reese's wedding. Sorry, Trev. Maybe Harrison Barnes? I don't remember. Oh, it might have been Harrison Barnes. Yeah, so Kyrie Irving was making fun of LeBron with the Warriors. (laughs) I mean, I don't know if he knew that it was going to be shared, but you have to assume that it's going to be shared. Yeah, you put it out there, it's going to go on the internet. That was was fairly petty. Um, A lot of pettiness goes on in the NBA. It's great. Um, And no one dies of CTE, so... (laughs) Yeah, there's that. (laughs) Okay, so... Um, let's see, let's move on now. The second, 
this was going to be the headliner of this podcast, but then... Thank God it's not. <laughs> yeah. Thank God that Russell Westbrook signed yesterday. But um, Dwayne Wade, bought out by the Bulls, signs with the Cavs for the minimum. What went through your mind when this happened? Um, the first thing that went through my mind was the Bulls were paying Dwayne Wade $24 million it was, a, it was a shit ton of money. Um, Wade gave back $8 million for the coming season, so they're going to pay him $16 million. So he signs for the minimum, but he's really going to get paid like $18 million. I'm surprised he didn't hold out for even longer. <laughs> yeah. That's kind of a petty move to just... Wade was like, <laughs> nope, you're going to pay me. That's exactly what Carmelo Anthony did. He's <laughs> just yeah. like, you want to get rid of me? Like, then I'm okay. still going to keep my money. <laughs> well, I mean, I understand why Chicago did it. We want to spend as little time as possible as talking about the Chicago Bulls. So we're done talking about that now. <laughs> um... What do you think of the fact that he picked the Cavs instead of the Spurs or Thunder or Rockets or Clippers? I think were also rumored. I mean, it's. I mean, it was just inevitable. I mean, for the longest time, people knew that he wasn't happy in Chicago and he was going to leave. And you think about where he would fit in in places besides Chicago. And I mean, the answer was always Cleveland. I mean that's that's where I thought Carmelo was going to go. I thought I thought both Wade and Melo were going to get bought out and then go to Cleveland. But I also thought that that was the ultimate destination for both of them. Um, I think you're right. I think it was inevitable. I liked the possibility of him going to the Spurs because I mean he's always kind of played a little bit like Manage Nobly, and it would be cool to see them play on the same team. But yeah, you just. Dwayne Wade and LeBron are actually friends. <laughs> yeah, they're like best friends. They're like the two guys on um, on Scrubs. Those those two guys that you always see on Twitter that are like Donald Faison and um, Zach Braff. Yeah, yeah, they're, like their bromance like extends to yeah, real it's, life. It's That's exactly life who they thing. are. That is a weird deep Scrubs <laughs> reference, and I knew both of the actors' names. You're welcome. Um, so let's talk about basketball wise. Whether or not this is a good move for the Caps. It's not. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that's unequivocal. He, he was very quick with his answer, too. So, before you tell me why it's not, I'm going to tell you why it is. Okay. Um, up to this point, the best thing the Cavs had done this summer in terms of adding a player, I don't count the Isaiah Thomas thing, because they replaced a player with Isaiah Thomas. So they're not gaining yep. a tremendous... Even if you think that Isaiah Thomas is way better than Kyrie Irving, you're wrong. But even if you think that, <laughs> even if that's what you think... He didn't. He doesn't raise their ceiling by more than like one or two percent. Okay, so the only other player that they added this summer is Derek Rose's festering corpse. <laughs> <laughs> so just from a purely basketball standpoint, Dwayne Wade is better than Derek Rose at this point in their careers. Even though Dwayne Wade is old and washed, he's still better than Derek Rose. So I think this helps them a little bit. You go now. I don't disagree with that. I think he helps a little bit, but when it comes playoff time. Like, they they added so many people this summer who need the ball. Like, every, everybody, like they already have LeBron James, who obviously is going to run the floor whenever he's playing. Dwayne Wade needs the ball. Isaiah Thomas needs the ball. Derrick Rose needs the ball. They and said they were going to give Kevin Love the ball more. <laughs> that's not going to happen now. Like, the, they all added guards who aren't very useful whenever they don't have the ball in their hands and they're still going to force them into taking possessions and that's going to come at the expense of Kevin Love who actually should be taking the second most possessions yeah. on this team. So I think that's the most important aspect is they've been touting all summer long how Love is going to have this resurgence, how Tyron Luz going to add all these Minnesota era packages and they're going to give him elbow touches and then you're going to have Derrick Rose and Dwayne Wade on the court and we're expecting that Kevin Love is actually going to see the ball other than in the corner for a three I'm not expecting that <laughs> I'm not expecting that at all please please Cleveland Cavaliers trade Kevin Love free him from your terrible terrible grips the only way that I see this being good and it's kind of shitty in a way but the only way that I could see it being better than I expect it to be is if Isaiah Thomas does not come back as the player that we expect, the player that he was last year. When it's, If it's obvious that Isaiah Thomas has lost a step, they're going to need another person to step up and take on those possessions at least. And I'd rather Dwayne Wade do that than Derrick Rose. Absolutely. So, so the only upside that you can see is if 
the massive trade that they made spectacularly fails, and Isaiah Thomas is not that good anymore, and they need Dwayne Wade to, to handle the ball. Yes, that sounds like a very negative thing. <laughs> it's a good fit. It's a good thing for Wade, but not for no other area, no other aspect of team success. <laughs> so yeah, um, I think that Dwayne Wade is washed at this point. He's never been a good three point shooter. His last year in Miami, he made a lot of threes in the playoffs. Yeah, he tried really doing made. that in Chicago, but it just didn't happen. Yeah, no one could make any shots in Chicago last year, though. That was the worst team to ever make the playoffs, in my opinion. Yeah, it was really... At least in in recent memory, they like ass ended their way into the playoffs by playing a bunch of teams with that were trying to tank at the end of the season. I wouldn't go so far as to say he's washed. I do think that there's going to be a bunch of games, at least in the regular season, where you see him still get like twenty points and lead the team to a victory, like at random games sprinkled throughout the year. So would you but... say that he's dry cleaned? <laughs> <laughs> what I will say is that. Yeah, that, I really like that dry clean. <laughs> <Thank you. laughs> I, I will say that he's dry cleaned in the sense that he's gonna put up stats, but whenever he go, he goes into the playoffs and he has to guard players for real, what is what is he gonna do whenever he's matched up with like Clay Thompson or he's Steph Curry? Watch Clay Thompson hit three after three over his head. <laughs> yeah, or if he's or in the in the conference finals when he's matched up with Irving or Hayward or something, like what's gonna happen then? Like yeah, I, even I, Smart I, might give him some trouble on defense. Oh, come on, <laughs> come on, Marcus Smart's not gonna give him. He can rough him up. <laughs> he can rough him up. That's true. Um, okay, so do we think he's gonna follow LeBron wherever LeBron goes? We as a podcast think that LeBron is leaving Cleveland. Um, I think that it's as foregone a conclusion as there can possibly be. And going to the Spurs. But <laughs> <laughs> we don't think that. That's dumb. <clears throat> he made some interesting comments where he said that he did want to retire in a Miami jersey, and the way he worded that was not not verbatim, but he said be it next year, be it a couple years from now, or g- g- just on a one-day contract when okay. he retires. So I was gonna say, did he say the one day contract thing? Yeah, that's like that's the get out of jail free card on yeah, that. Yeah, that's People, absolutely. Knows that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, I mean, I guess that leaves the door open to him. Go. I I think that even though everyone knows him as a member of the Heat, I thought it was still kind of weird for him to say that he's eventually going to return, even though he's under contract with the Cavs now. But yeah, I do think that he's gonna go wherever LeBron goes next summer. So what I'm saying is the Spurs will have LeBron and Wade next summer. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So next up, we'll get it now things are ramping up in the NBA season. The season starts what like two and a half weeks from now. This past week was media day and training camp starting. And unfortunately, we are not going to stick to sports. Things are about to get political. Everybody knows that. Everybody knows what's been going on in the NFL, and I mean the NBA has been taking its own stand for the past couple years, but it's starting to bleed over now from the NFL. How tense things are with football now, and it started off with LeBron coming after the president, <laughs> Donald Trump. Yeah, it started with a "you bum" tweet after Steph Curry said that they. That he wasn't going to go to the White House. Then Trump says, well, you're not invited. And so LeBron says, you bum. (laughs) He already said he wasn't going to go. Blah, blah, blah. LeBron doubled down on his comments. He Did you see the clip of... What of whenever he doubled down on the comments? Yeah, in the yeah, yeah, I saw the clip. I thought it was just so funny how he made the reporter say what he said. It's like, <laughs> like, tell me what I said. I want you to say it. <laughs> so the reporter says that he called President Trump a bum, and then, it, and then, oh my god, I was so happy whenever he caught himself because I thought all of this was gonna fly back in his face when he was like. A bum isn't so bad of a thing, you know? I call my friends bum all the time. And when he said that, I was like, oh my god. Things are about to get real. And he was like, but he's not my friend, though. Don't you dare put in the story that I'm his friend. I was like, okay, thank god. I was really scared that you were going to go down that path. Yeah. So after all of that, LeBron spoke at length about the issue of police brutality, which is what the issue is. It's not a national anthem protest. 
It's a police brutality and inequality protest. I read just today, like 10 minutes ago, today is Saturday morning, I clicked on a USA Today article, I know, that was my mistake, <laughs> it said that a real hot-button issue in the United States was national anthem protests. First of all, that's a garbage, garbage sentence. That is really garbage. Secondarily, please stop calling it a national anthem protest. No one is protesting the national anthem. It is a bad song. It's definitely not a slapper. <laughs> it's not. It's not a good song. But no one is protesting the national anthem. People are protesting the unauthorized and unnecessary killings by police of African-American and other minority people. Please stop calling it a national anthem protest. And if you really take the respect for the literal flag that seriously, stop putting it on your filthy-ass beach towels and all this yes. other stuff. Don't wear a flag t-shirt, <laughs> Tommy Loren, or whatever her stupid name is. <laughs> um, and so, so the NBA released a memo late last night classic Friday night news dump. Yep. Essentially telling players, do not kneel. Essentially. Yeah. Which has already been the rule, right? Yeah. Yeah. In that sense, at least the NBA can kind of, sort of, I mean, people aren't going to accept it, but, pe but the NBA kind of, sort of, covered their own asses by explaining that it's been a rule that's been in place for decades now, and originally it wasn't meant to be a a rule for the sake of patriotism or anything like that. Like, honestly, I read it earlier today that it was a rule put in place to just get players to... That that was just a way to stop the shoot-around, to stop the layup lines, <laughs> and to just get things going. Like, the game okay. is starting now, so it's now... It's like you, doing the warm-up in my yeah. English class. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you had to get to the anthem. That means the game's going to start soon, so let's get this going. Um. So the NBA sends out this memo, and what I want to know is... What does the NBA do if on opening night, who's playing Who's playing the first game? Is it OKC? The first game? That is a good question. Whatever that first game is. Let's, let's pretend that it's OKC. If Paul George, Carmelo Anthony, who has a long history of being invested in social justice issues, long before LeBron was. I want to I throw that out there. LeBron has a lot of power in his voice now, but Carmelo has been a champion of these causes for a long time. If those three guys just kneel on opening night, is the NBA going to suspend them? Do they really think that they can do that? Because I don't Not think that suspend. they can do that. <clears throat> I think, if anything, they're going to do the same thing that the NFL has done. Like, the NFL, they didn't want people... They, they basically hijacked the kneeling thing. What started off as a protest for racial justice became a sign of unity that you do before the anthem. And so, yeah. now, and so like, the NBA, I feel like they would do similar... Not... Not hijack the message, but just give them a slap on the wrist and say, "Look, this is what we did. We we addressed it. We gave them a fifty thousand dollar fine or whatever, even though it's less than pocket change to those guys." I think that that, given the NBA's fan base of a lot of liberal people, whether they be white people who love basketball or black people who love basketball or Hispanic people or people from Europe, people from Spain and Argentina, all these people who love basketball. We, as a collective group of people, do not want to see the NBA policing the right to expression in 2017. I don't want the NBA fining Russell Westbrook for taking a knee. That, to me, is bullshit. I don't... I agree with that. And, if anything, I think that players in the NBA don't need to do that because they've already expressed before their opinions on social justice in different ways. They'll come out and say in press conferences and in interviews what they think and like with the whole um Donald Sterling with the with the Eric Garner thing when when they wore the shirts that said yeah. I can't breathe during practice and with the Donald Sterling thing, the NBA was gladly they ha they were very very proactive with the Donald Sterling. They didn't need they didn't need a response from the world to know that they needed to get Donald Sterling the fuck out of there. They do that. They took care of that ASAP. Yeah, my I guess my main problem is that the NBA recently has a history of being a champion for these kind of things. Under David Stern's completely different story with the hip hop thug thing that he tried to yeah he tried to make it seem like in the '90s and the early 2000s that NBA players were thuggy. And they needed to dress better. The NBA is the only league that still has a dress code before games. Yeah. Um, but unlike the NFL, which can argue that it's a monopoly on that talent, there's no other league that those guys can go to. 
yeah. and get the same amount of money. That's not true for the NBA. Can they get exactly the same amount of money? I guarantee you that Russell Westbrook can get that money in China. I guarantee you. Mm-hmm. And the NBA needs to be very careful what they do because a thing that has happened recently in world soccer is leagues have decided to police players and enforce rules on players thinking that they have them under control and then leagues like China and leagues in Russia have decided, hey, we're going to throw a pile of money at these guys to get them. And the NBA and basketball in general is much more of a global game. So the NBA doesn't just have this monopoly over talent. Yeah, they've done a really good job of expressing how important diversity is standing up for justice i mean this whole anthem thing seems pretty shaky but they've done everything else to show their players that expressing themselves can is they they have that right to express themselves that they're not that the that the league is not going to try to punish players for speaking their mind they in fact encourage that they've been really really good at staying at they've been really really good at being at the forefront of these social justice issues. And I expect that to continue. And in a way, I hope that... In a way, I, I hope that they steer away from the flag thing, because... Uh, the anthem thing. The anthem thing. Because, <clears throat> if anything, I feel like if they continue that in the NBA, it's just going to seem like they're just copying the NFL. I And not only that, but people are still going to be on their bullshit hiding behind the flag to to prevent discussing the real issue. I, I want them to express it in different ways so they can say, I'm not talking shit about the flag, I'm doing your anthem, and I'm still talking about the issue, so what do you have to say now? Yeah. I agree, and I just think that optically it looks really... Honestly, it's frankly disgusting for me for the commissioner's office to release a statement saying, don't, don't kneel, you're not allowed that it's 2017 and the players especially in the nba have all of the power it's just such a dumb arbitrary power move by the nba to try and stop that i read it less as a power move and more that adam silver the commissioner is terrified of the of the backlash that he that the league would get if the kneeling continued like I think this is I think it was less him trying to put his foot down and more of saying please for the love of God do not kneel just like do this in a different way because I don't want to deal with the same shit that Roger Goodell and the NFL are having to deal with yeah I can see that um another thing that's come out of these training camp stuffs stuff (laughs) we can't talk this morning um I can't find the specific quotes but in a story about the Rockets earlier this week, Ryan Anderson had some comments about how it wasn't really his place to talk about the police brutality protests and the stuff at the Anthem. And I just want to call him out and say that that's bullshit, especially in the job and league that he's in. You can't be one of these, oh, that's not my issue thing, when all of your coworkers essentially, are, or 75% of your coworkers are young black men. I don't see how you can say that it's not your business, you know? I mm-hmm. just I disagree with that as a stance. And I think more people like John Wall called for, like Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady, and because he's white and in the NBA, Ryan Anderson and Kevin Love and Gordon Hayward, I think these guys are the people who need to be saying these things so that other white people can see, hey, this is not this is not just a LeBron issue. This is not just an African American issue. This isn't a black issue. This isn't a minority issue. Everyone sees that these things happen. So you can't just say, oh, well I'm Ron Anderson, not shoot three pointers. <laughs> no, asshole, you don't. <laughs> For one, you're bad at it. Yeah, I, I pulled up the quote here. Ryan Anderson said, We're in a very tough time where sports and politics are becoming a conjoined thing. To me, I want to steer clear of that. I don't want to involve politics into my game. I love my teammates. I love this group. I support my family here. I love being a Houston Rocket and all that stuff. I'm in no place to comment about that because this is all stuff that I think gets so carried away and it's really unfortunate the way things have turned. But for me, genuinely, I just want to focus on my teammates and this season and and have a really great year. If I was Ryan Anderson's teammate and I read that, I would think, fuck you, man. Fuck you. This is a lot worse, worse than I thought than I it was. It was. <laughs> yeah, like this is he only he is only pressing the issue. That is saying 
It's all gotten carried away. Not the police brutality's gotten carried away. Not the unjust killings. The fact that people are talking about it in sports is out of control, and you need to stop it. It's my job. Please leave me alone. And not only that, but to say, like, I'm in no place to comment about that. Just He's saying that because it doesn't affect him. That's why he is just perpetuating it even further by... Not saying anything. Like, it's bullshit to say that you don't want to be involved. Basically, the the people who aren't involved are taking, are essentially taking the side of the oppressor because the, the other side, the minority side, needs people to vocalize the issue. And by not vocalizing it, you're taking the other side. And that's exactly what he's doing. And it, to me, he's just saying that I don't have to deal with that, so I'm not going to be a part of it. Like, like you, you guys can deal with it, you know. You cannot be a, decide to be a bystander to a great injustice and have people look back fondly on you for it. That is an awful quote that I hope stays with him for the rest of his career. Because that is shitty. That is such a shitty thing. We have one more non-basketball basketball thing to talk about. John is going to talk about how much he loves Greg Popovich now. <laughs> and just as we were saying with how much it's needed for players specifically white players to speak up about racial issues this is one area where i am so so happy that greg popovich is the coach of the spurs he is doing exactly what everybody else should be doing he's speaking up about it he's speaking about white privilege he is explaining he he knows his privilege and he's and he's calling it out. Other players need to call it out too. By that, I don't mean that you need to say that you're a shitty person because you're white or like you don't deserve the life that you have because you're white. It's simply acknowledging how the history of the world has led to you having a more fortunate life than other people. Yeah. And that's exactly what Greg Popovich has been doing. I wish I had pulled out the whole quote about it. To crib one of the main points from his quote, he, he essentially said that being white is like running a 40-yard dash and you start at the 25-yard line. Yeah. Which is a good way to think about it, and it's one of the more eloquent ways that I've heard white privilege discussed in a way that doesn't hurt people's feelings, because people do get their feelings hurt when you tell them, hey, you were born better off than everyone else. It took me a really long time to grasp what that means. And to understand that there's certain things that I don't have to worry about because I'm white. Certain advantages that are just inherent to me. And he did a really good job of talking about that. People love him for it. People were the Popovich for president. Please no. Okay, let's only have real politicians for president, please. Yeah. Um, Popovich would never, ever do that anyway. <laughs> secondarily, though, how, how can he make these comments? And how can the Spurs be such a good organization when the owner of the Spurs, Peter Holt, is a Trump supporter? I don't understand it. How can you have this massive conflict right down the center of your whole diversity first thing when your owner supports this? He does it by doing exactly what all these players, especially the good players, should be doing. Everybody got after Colin Kaepernick by saying that you're a washed-up quarterback and you're only doing this for attention because you need that relevance. What Popovich is doing with Peter Holt is saying, I'm your head coach. These are my players. We all stand up for this. We're going to speak out about it. If you don't like it, how about you fucking fire us and see what happens to your team? <laughs> so You, you want to see what happens whenever you lose all of us? You're going to go, your team is going to spiral. You're not going to be able to buy any more bad cowboy hats. It's it's going to be it's going to be a train wreck. You're going to lose you're going to lose the team. It's going to be worthless. You're going to have to move the team and I would not mind rooting for the St. Louis Spurs if it comes for that. <laughs> as long as they're not in St. Louis. Missouri right now is probably the most awful place to be for racial devices. <laughs> so bad example. Seattle Spurs. <laughs> Seattle Spurs, thank you. That, that would be fine. Um, except for the... We're not going to get into Seattle Spurs. Uh, America sucks, okay? <laughs> America sucks, I'm sorry. Um, but that's true. Greg Popovich is in a position where he is allowed to subvert these things. He can say, Peter Holt, you're my boss, but I'm the best, so fuck you, I can say what I want. Which is what Aaron Rodgers could do, or Tom Brady could do, or these other guys, or Kevin Love could do. If you're at a certain point in your career where you're the best at something, and Aaron Rodgers made some pretty strong comments the other night. They weren't strong enough, in my opinion, but he made some comments. But 
the reason why this was such a big deal for Colin Kaepernick was because he was a washed-up quarterback. He is risking so much, as we can see now, because no one will employ him. He made this statement knowing that people were going to blackball him and hate him. And he did it with so much to lose. Aaron Rodgers doesn't have anything to lose. If the Packers fans burn his jersey and they make the, the Green Bay Packers trade him, you know what? 31 other teams will take Aaron Rodgers today. <laughs> if he says, fuck Donald Trump, every day at his press conference, 31 other teams still want him. If you have power, you have to use that power to guide things the way they should be. And if you want to look at it from the perspective of the owners or something like that, like how all these owners who became extremely successful businessmen who and who were able to buy these teams because of that, how are you going to... You need you need those good players on those teams to speak up because if they do decide to do something, trade them, cut them, whatever, because of what they said, how is it going to look on them that they are ruining their own investment because they don't like what these people are saying? They don't like that they're speaking out for racial injustice. Okay. I think that we can finally get back to basketball. Oh, in these <laughs> notes, I wrote down Ben Simmons, and the reason why I wrote that was because... There are basically three different routes that you can take with talking about sports and politics. One, you can take the Ryan Anderson route and saying, I don't, little bitch. I don't want to be involved in it, I just want to have a great year, I love my teammates. <laughs> Shut the fuck up, Ryan Anderson. Or number two, the Greg Popovich way, which is calling out America, calling out fellow white people, which is needed because white people will only ever listen to other white people. I do not... it all the time and people get extremely upset about it, trust me. <laughs> it's worth it, though. Because, I mean, I don't think it's a coincidence at all that Trump has continued to call out people who badmouth him but hasn't said a thing about Popovich. Yep. And three, you can take the Ben Simmons route where they interviewed him and he just outright said, I think Donald Trump is a dickhead. <laughs> ben Simmons is Australian, for what it's worth. And Trump had the famous interaction with the Australian Prime Minister. It was a Prime Minister or President. I don't know a lot about other countries. I'm sorry, journalism not. professors. <laughs> but Trump lied a bunch on the phone, and it was proven later he lied. He had a very contentious conversation. So Australians are not big Trump fans right now. So that's no. funny. Um, now we're going to talk about something John and I are very passionate about which is fantasy basketball. We play in a Woo! fantasy basketball league. We finally got 12 members this year. We've been playing with 10. It's for money. It's highly competitive. There's people from four states now, eight Ooh. cities in four states. Whoa. <laughs> um, we, have our, we, have our, we have our draft tomorrow, and we'll talk a little bit about our teams in the next episode. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, so we just want to come over. A, we want to go over a few key points with fantasy basketball if if you happen to be interested in that if you're not and you want to turn the podcast off i'm sorry <laughs> if you're in it to win it listen to us keep listening <laughs> the first thing we want to talk about is we want to talk about the two different formats the two different main formats that people use which are auction drafts versus snake drafts um an auction draft is just that everyone starts with money and then there's an auction for the players which sounds disgusting but it's not it's fantasy basketball <laughs> <laughs> and then there's a snake draft which is you pick 1 through 12, and then 12 through 1, essentially. Yeah. The 12th picker picks 13. You just flip the order for yeah. every round. Um, I think, and I think John agrees with me, that auction drafts are more fair because everyone starts off with the same shot to get every single player. Snake drafts, in my opinion, skew too much to the guys who have the first picks. They require different skills. With a snake draft, I feel like it's more comfortable for people to take the snake draft because wherever you're at, whether you pick whatever you're whatever whether you're picking one or ten, you can at least be comfortable knowing that you're at least gonna get the tenth best player. Sure. And if you flip it to the next round, you're gonna get the tenth and eleventh best player. Yeah. With an auction draft, you, that requires <laughs> that requires actually knowing about money management and endurance. Last year, with ten teams, our draft took four and a half hours. This year, we've added two more teams. It's going to be a marathon. It's all about managing your money. It's a bloodbath. <laughs> it's about driving up the price for players you don't actually want. It's yeah. about keeping the price low on players you do want. The way an auction draft works, too, you might be like, "Oh, does it just auto assign a player to pick?" No, in you random order, the people who are in the draft, get to nominate a player to yeah. get on. It's kind of like it's kind of <laughs> like a regular draft, but instead of picking a player for you, you're picking a player to put up for auction. It is 
so much more fun. It really is fun. It's so much fun to see the prices being driven up for the stars because that's just the way to get stars. You gotta you gotta pay up big money, and it's also hilarious putting out crappy players and seeing who you can sucker into putting a bid on it. See which two guys in your league don't actually know who those players are, or think that oh Derek Rose is on the Cavs now. Cavs are gonna win the championship. The guy in the message board saying that that's your best friend is eight hundred fifty dollars. Absolutely. Um. So that's a good segue into our next point. Is it worth it to pay forty or fifty percent? Of your total amount of money for one player. Um, some instant equivocating here. It depends on the year. <laughs> yeah, not only that, but like on any given year, there's like, what, maybe maybe five players who are worth that much? Maybe five. This year, we're going to talk about this in a second. There, who would there that are be? less. Who, um, who would that be? Who are you, who are you paying 40 to, 40 to half of your total amount of money for? In a norm, like, let's take last year, for example. Okay. okay. So last year you could pay that amount for Harden, Westbrook, Curry, LeBron, and Anthony Davis. Those guys combined filling up the stat sheet with playing a lot of minutes and playing a lot of games. Yeah. And that's what you need. You need to have a guy who plays seventy five to all of the games, who does everything on the court. Yeah, not just who points. gets double doubles, who sh- shoots threes, who gets rebounds, who gets blocks. Don't be distracted steals. by points per game. Look at everything. Um this year, that has changed because a lot of guys' value has gone down because Harden has Chris Paul now. So that kills the value for both of those guys. Westbrook has Paul George and Carmelo. That's three more guys who were the best guy on their team who now have to wrestle with things. Is Russell Westbrook still worth a giant amount? Yes, but I wouldn't put 40% of my team's value into Russell Westbrook when we have no idea how his team is going to play. Yeah, obviously those guys are still going to put up big stats, but it's going to be shaved off a little for each player because they have, they have to make that sacrifice for each other. Same thing with all the guys on the Warriors. Like, Kevin Durant in a normal year would be great. Last year, he wasn't that great in fantasy basketball because he has to share the points with everyone else on his team. And then he got injured for the last couple months of the year. That totally tanked my team. <laughs> and he gets injured almost every year. So you don't want to draft guys who get injured all the time, like Blake Griffin and Bradley Beal and Kevin Durant. And even to a lesser extent, guys like Chris Paul and Kevin Love. However, if you miss two if, weeks of fantasy basketball. <laughs> if you're in our league, though, feel free to drive up the price on Joel Embiid, though. <laughs> <laughs> Joel Embiid is going to go for, like, 25% of someone's cap, and I'm going to laugh all the way to the bank. Oh, my God. When the, the best prognication for him this season is 60 games. That's like the absolute best possible scenario. That is not going to win you a fantasy basketball league. You're not going to make the playoffs if you spend 25% of your cap on a guy who's going to play 75% of the season. Yeah, and, and and it also depends on what those 20 games are. If, he, if, if they sit him to tank and he misses the last 20 games, there goes your playoffs. There goes your playoffs. Um, so... We've got all those guys whose value's gone down. Now let's talk about a few guys whose values have gone up. So, I just told you guys not to draft Blake Griffin, because <laughs> he's always injured, but his value has unquestionably skyrocketed, because he is now the clear best player on his basketball team. It really depends on who you believe as far as when he's coming back. I've, I've heard he's going to be back to, near the beginning of the season. I've heard that he's going to have to miss a month or so. If you, if you think that he's that good and you're willing to sacrifice that month or so to keep him on the team for later on during the year, then go for it. I would say that if you can get Blake Griffin for 8 to 10% of the value of your cap, I would do it and just stash him for a month. That's all. You can survive a month with yeah. a guy whose value is going to jump up. If you could get him on a steal, absolutely. Kevin Love was on our list of guys whose value has gone up, and then the Cavs signed Dwayne Wade, and now please stay away from Kevin Love. He's going to be rich man's Ryan Anderson. And whenever the bad political views. And whenever Thomas is back in the lineup, just put him on your trading block. There's yeah. no, there's nothing to do about um, we that. We think Devin Booker from the Suns is going to fill up the stat sheet because someone on that team has to. Eric Bledsoe also on the Suns. There's enough possessions for those two guys to both eat this season. Yeah, and Eric they're the Bledsoe only two really good players on the team. Great aren't they? in fantasy until they either he gets injured or they shut him down to tank. Mm-hmm. But hopefully this season is the season they trade him. Uh, Giannis Antetokounmpo is great for fantasy. He fills up the stat sheet. He gets rebounds. He gets blocks. He gets points. He gets assists. He does everything for that team. He, so far, has proven to be pretty injury-free, right, in his NBA reign? Yeah, he's been pretty healthy. So I would say that he and Anthony Davis currently have the highest possible value. Anthony Davis has DeMarcus Cousins, but Cousins is going to do the dirty work for that team, and Davis is going to get the stats. Mm-hmm. Let's see, and then you gotta include Jokic, 
Kristoffs. We've gone back and forth about who's better between Jokic or Kristoffs. The good news is that they're good regardless. So and in fantasy, free. you don't have to really choose. They're both excellent. Jokic was better last year, but Kristaps has finally got his own team, and Jokic has to share possessions with Paul Millsap. So I would give the edge to Kristaps in fantasy, Jokic in real life. Yeah, and even, who knows, maybe Jokic will still like match him equally because of his natural progression as a player. Maybe he'll just take another step, and he'll still maintain his fantasy value. John, here is a scary thought for you that I realized the other day. Nikola Miritich <laughs> is the best player on the Chicago Bulls. Oh my god. I I, I think have... he's also the highest paid player at $14 million a season. I'm not positive about that. They could have some guy who doesn't actually play who makes more money than that. If they give, one thing to look out for with them is Zach Levine extension watch, so maybe... Yeah, that's true. Let's see, is he the best player? I mean, it's e- it's either him or Levine, I guess. And Levine is injured. He's coming off an injury. They they don't have anyone else besides Levine and Miritich. <laughs> Paul Zipser, Lowry Markkinen. They literally are going to be the worst NBA team of all time this season. I think that they're worse than the Clippers, or the Sixers' worst teams. That'll be interesting, though, to keep an eye on for like the first week or so, because someone has to score. Someone has to. <laughs> someone, someone has to. Someone has to get on the on the scoreboard. If you throw be, five to eight percent of your cap value at uh, Nikola Miritich, I would not blame you at all. Percentages in almost every fantasy basketball league do not matter. So it doesn't matter to you that he shoots thirty-one percent on threes. If he's chucking eight in eight a game, who gives a shit? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, let's see. Who else did we list? We got all those guys. We got George Hill on there. Cause... George Hill, who's, like, the only NBA-ready guard on the Kings. Yeah. Um, unless if De'Aaron Fox is good, then George Hill's value goes down. Yeah. They're going to play together a lot, I think. George Hill's probably going to play a lot, too. And if Buddy Hill is for real. I don't think that that's true. No one thinks that. <laughs> <laughs> no one thinks that Buddy Hill is for real. Okay, I'll let you handle the importance of daily transactions. Okay, so one of the guys in our fantasy league he took a year <laughs> off from playing, and he's come back, and now his team name is Lookout Will Cheats. <laughs> his short name is F. Will, and that's because um, we're not, we're going to leave him nameless. We've, uh, he thinks that it's unfair that the three players who the past two years have finished the highest have done a lot of roster swapping, okay? So, and what I mean by that is I keep... On, in fantasy basketball, you have 13 guys at a time. The 12th and 13 guys usually on my roster are expendable guys, guys who are hot for a week, like Tim Frazier or last year Will Barton was hot for a few weeks. You pick them up, you run them through a matchup, and then you drop them. Like, I think two years ago when I finished second place... I had 79 ad drops. <laughs> and the guy who won had 84, and the guy who got third had 70-something, and then the next closest person had, like, 30. Yeah. So if you want to maximize the amount of games that your team gets to play, just keep ad dropping your replacement value guy in the 13th spot. It's a very beautiful strategy. I've never finished lower than third in a fantasy basketball season. I need to do that more. I have a bad habit of just going all in with the team I drafted. <laughs> And also, even when I do want to drop and add a player, I forget what the waiver deadline is, so I'll pick up a player that I want to play tonight and then realize he's not going to be clear till the next day. Whoop, whoop. <laughs> so that's my problem. But I agree with everything Will just said. I mean, you, do, you, win, your we- you win your matchups based on how the whole week goes, and so you can- it's just not... It's just not affordable to leave open spots because you chose to not pick up a player who played on that specific day. Yeah, and if one of your spots is TJ Warren and he's getting you 28 fantasy points per game and there's 15 guys sitting on the waiver wire that morning, or the free agent list. Free agent list and waiver wire are different things. It's negligible, really. But TJ Warren's in your team at 28 points per game. He's injured tonight. You can drop him and add 28 points to your to your lineup tonight, and you're not really missing anything. And that can make a difference whether you win or lose that week. So, <laughs> yeah, it doesn't matter that TJ Warren in real life is getting paid 12 million a season. Uh-huh. And that, yeah, which is a bad contract. And the scrub that you picked up, you've never heard of. It doesn't matter. Look at his last eight games. If it's for real and it's not just one game, then add that guy. Yeah. So. They're, I call it the Seth Curry rule. <laughs> There's, yeah, he, oh, yeah, he's perfect for that. He was a prime example. Okay, so that just about does it for fantasy. If you have any questions, 
That would be a, that would be a good segment to have fantasy questions for anyone who yeah. plays in fantasy basketball leagues. But I mean, we haven't decided if we're going to post this before our draft tomorrow evening. Sunday evening is our draft. I know for a fact that four of the guys in the league will listen to just this segment before the draft. <laughs> I also have included lots of misinformation for those purposes. <laughs> we are going to have several of the people over to do the draft, which increases the level of intensity. And it makes it super hilarious when someone overpays for something. <laughs> you gotta put your poker face on. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so that just about does it. Closing remarks, I just wanted to say, I didn't even realize till this morning, preseason starts tonight. Preseason starts tonight. I know we're going to be watching some basketball tonight. I suggest that you guys watch some basketball tomorrow. We said tonight and tomorrow again. We did that thing. <laughs> this is a podcast. This is a Saturday. <laughs> Saturday night, Nuggets Warriors at 7.30. Wolves Lakers at 9. That doesn't matter to you because you're going to listen to this tomorrow. But please follow us at BBR we Basketball. This. We can post this today. Okay. Follow us at BBR Basketball. Um, visit our website. Review us on podcasts. Um iTunes. Ask us questions. We got one hot barbacoa wreck from Gary Newman. Shout out, Gary. We're going to try that out sometime very soon. Uh, this morning we ate Chick-fil-A. We were lazy. <laughs> <laughs> um, other than that, thank you for the support. We really appreciate it. Give us your critiques. Like, for example, we both shouldn't be laughing at the same time. <laughs> thank you. All right, guys. We'll see you next week. Um, let's see. Topics for next week. Maybe we'll get into the NCAA scandal. See if anything's come up from preseason. See if any breaking news has happened again. Every week in this podcast, we've been blindsided by big news, which is good for us because that's more to talk about. But let's see what we'll have next week. Thank you guys for listening. Goodbye.